Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. All right, Alex, I had to hit record. You were just giving me some good insight on um, the potential future of Bears, Chicago Bears quarterbacking. Namely, uh, will we get one of the future Hall of Famers that's going to be on the market this year? And the big three, in your opinion, are Matt Stafford, Watson, Matt Stafford, and then potentially Aaron Rodgers might want to move, especially after last night. Mm-hmm. All right, go yeah. ahead. So, yeah, I was saying, um, you know, and I want to be clear out there if there's any Bears fans listening, and I anticipate that there are, that I am not a Packers fan. I am a Packers hater, and every year, because the Bears are such a mess and can't seem to get their stuff together uh, for consecutive seasons, I find myself rooting more for the Packers to lose than I do for the Bears to win because by the time it gets to that point, the Bears are an afterthought uh, as they were this season. Um, one of the things that I think is, I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll jump to the first question you asked me, which is, you know, who ends up with the bears? Um, like, I, I just, I think they've tainted my brain to the point where I'm going to say none of them, none of the three end up with the Chicago bears, which really sucks because yeah. uh, I do think that if you watched the bears this season, and if, if next year things return to a more normal state of things, um, meaning the Bears get some of their players back. Uh, Eddie Goldman would be kind of the big one on the defense, um, and the defense gets healthy. Roquan Smith is back, all that. Um, then I could see the Bears being a good football team, a very good football team, because unfortunately this season was one of one side of the ball carrying the load way too often and the other side not holding up their end of the bargain. I agree. Um, Would you say, I don't want to cut you off, but when you say that we are already like a good football team, like we're not very good, but like we made the playoffs, we had a shot, dropped a, a t- an easy touchdown grab in the end zone in the first round of playoffs. Like yeah. we're, we're, it feels like we are pretty close, which kind of, I think you and I think similar on this, which is the only reason this discussion matters sort of, right? because we are, we're a fringe team. We are potentially an elite to be in a more consistent offense away from being a legitimate piece of the NFL conversation. Yeah, I mean, you look at like the 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 box, the the front eight coming back on the defensive side of the ball or the front seven. Like, you tell me that any team in the league wouldn't like to have that. That's an elite front seven. You have Roquan Smith, who didn't make the Pro Bowl but was a Pro Bowl caliber player. No doubt. Uh, you have Akeem Hicks, who is a force of nature. You have Khalil Mack, who is consistently one of the best players in the league. You you could sort of plug and play around those three pieces and you'd be pretty good and stout up front. All right. So back exactly. to the quarterback thing. So who do you think yeah. we're going to get? Yeah. Um, who do I think we're going to get? I don't know. Uh, or, or where do you think those guys will land then? I, so let me yeah. say this uh, before, like Matthew Stafford is the one I would go after. And that's yeah. the one I, I don't know if he's on people's radars because Detroit, I don't know if Detroit is like nationally televised. Why would they be, um, you know, Detroit is average or below every single year. And this, I think unbelievable hall of famer, Matt Stafford is people don't even recognize it. he statistically, if this were baseball, his hall of fame status would be, it's a no brainer, like touchdowns, passing yards. He just, um, He's got, he is the prototype quarterback. He's strong, big arm, all, all these things. 
very savvy and intelligent. In fact, he, you know how they say, you know, some some comics will refer to people who may not be household names as comics comic. Like mm-hmm. they really appreciate what they're trying to do. Yeah. They've got a great brand. Quarterbacks think of Matt Stafford in that way. He's like a quarterback's quarterback. Like he'll look somebody off. Aaron Rodgers was talking about this the other day about Matt Stafford. He'll look somebody off and, and like, like you're playing seven on seven, no look into the end zone, like on a rope. It, like he just does things that are spectacular. Um, he reminds me if we ever got him to, to the bears, he reminds me of like, it, it would be like the excitement when we got Jay Cutler, meaning, okay, we have a prototype quarterback, except Matt Stafford actually cares and is like, like I, I'm, I'm sorry, but tough plays hurt really seems to enjoy the game, wants to win all those things. Matt Stafford would be my dream land. Uh, not like a dream land, but my dream person to land for that <laughs> spot. I think uh, Deshaun Watson would be good. I'm honestly, you know, uh, he had an unbelievable year. His stock is super high right now. Um, he's also been fairly injury plagued. He's a definite winner, a definite winner at every level he's been to. He's going to make whatever team he's on better. I believe that completely, but I also wonder if do you buy high on a guy who, who has a history of injury? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with Deshaun Watson is obviously the talents there. Super talented guy, uh, I think was top five in terms of QBR for this season. So yep. the numbers are there to back it up too. And he was playing with, let's be honest, nobody. He had Will Fuller, who was a great quarter or a great wide receiver, but had his own injury issues. Yep. They traded away arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL for peanuts, which was right. its own confusing thing. But um, the other thing is you look at like, you'll start to consider what are you giving up, right? To get yeah. a guy like Deshaun Watson and essentially erase the draft, the famous draft that seems to be brought up every single time, like you're selling the farm. And I think as we saw with uh, Khalil Mack, who undoubtedly has been a positive addition to the Bears, like that comes back to bite you when you don't have first round draft picks, when you're giving up all this capital, especially because if you get Deshaun Watson and the players that you have right now, you know, it's like, you're kind of saying we, we, we were in win now mindset, but we have to win now. Cause if we don't, we're in a really, really bad yeah, position. Right. 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 So that's why I think Deshaun Watson wallet would be great. And I would be super excited. I would buy his Jersey. Uh, it would be also something that could come back to bite us. Um, I agree. I agree. And I, it doesn't sound like he wants to be here. Yeah. He doesn't sound like a cold weather guy at all. I, I think it's Matt Stafford. I, who else is on the market just before we, we got to wrap this up and move on to the actual point of the podcast. Although <laughs> I, I like this conversation. Who else could potentially be on the market? You know, there's been talk from the beginning of the season that Carson Wentz's time Philadelphia might be over. I don't know that I want him. Well, there's talk of Jalen Hurts now because Carson Wentz, apparently the the issue was that uh, Carson Wentz didn't agree with Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson is now gone out of a job. So maybe they keep Carson Wentz and hitch their wagon to him. If so, you have a very capable quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who actually we've talked about on the podcast before. I know you're a fan of because the guy, yeah. while maybe not having like the traditional measurables of an NFL quarterback, whatever you want to call that, like yeah. he wins. The guy's a winner and he's won everywhere he's gone. Yeah, without a doubt, he has won everywhere he's gone. He's a proven winner. I, here's where I'm at with that, though. I think the same way of Trubisky, kind of. I think, uh, I think, I, I really, I still really like Mitch Trubisky. He's, yeah, he's a worker. He he is a he's a worker. He's a proven winner, not at the level of Jalen Hurts, but few are. 
but he's not an, he's not a prototype quarterback. So I think like if you can get if we were to either stay with Trubisky, which it doesn't seem like we're doing, or get a guy like Jalen Hurts, I'd be comfortable like let's build a let's build our offense around Jalen Hurts. I'm kind of I'm comfortable with that because he's he's a proven winner. He's not going to be he doesn't have the stock price of uh, of Sean Watson or Matt Stafford right now. Matt's is not super high, but I do think there's a conversation going around about like just how underrated he is. Um, but Deshaun Watson, like you said, you empty the bank account fully. Jalen Hurts, you wouldn't have to empty the empty the bank account quite as fully. Uh, you could pull him over, build around him, but you still I, I, we need we need more pieces on offense. Who's what's the name of the guy who dropped the pass in the NFC Championship game? That was Javon Williams. And wasn't he the same guy who uh, got flagged for like punching the guy in the mouth for doing something to his mouthpiece? So, like there's a trend going on here that maybe that, you know, for that person as an example, I don't mean to call him out, but I, I'm not sure if they do bring in Jalen hurts, they need better compliment pieces than just that. Matt Stafford feels to me like the kind of guy who could make a lot of guys look better than they are. You know, the way Tom Brady does or Aaron Rodgers does, he can elevate. I don't know that Jalen hurts is necessarily going to elevate. So if you get, if you get a proven winner, but not a big time NFL arm, at quarterback amazing but there's got to be some complimentary pieces on offense uh, right and you have to think about yeah. the fact that uh alan robinson's currently not signed again and right. if you know if you bring back mitch which i think you and i have both just now said like we would be i would be fine with um as long as things changed on the you know play calling side of the ball like i'm not sure alan robinson signs again if mitch trubisky's the quarterback right if matt stafford is that's a different story maybe oh, totally, now he's playing totally. with matt stafford you know that's different. So right, say he say he doesn't sign and we bring Mitch back. Mm-hmm. Name one other like name one legitimate Pro Bowl contender on the offense. Um, out of sheer just like school pride, I'm going to say Cole Komet, but uh, I'm a little biased there. Um, you know, yeah, I think you're right. I actually yeah. think you're right. I think we might yeah. have sort of a budding star at tight end. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, Darnell Mooney who was a surprise draft pick in the fourth round from Tulane um, had monster games towards the end of the season could potentially be a really important piece moving forward. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you're right that he could be an important, important piece of the Chicago bears. I don't know that he's like a perennial pro bowler in the making, but I, but I don't know. I, I don't know. The only other one I would say maybe David Montgomery. I mean, that guy is like, he didn't get nearly enough of recognition of the recognition that he deserved. Now, granted, there were some weeks in the middle of the season where he didn't have the production necessary to back it up. But like that guy, I mean, he's so hard to bring down. Um, I think like yards after contact, he is, he is in the, his two or three seasons in the league has consistently been in the top three, if not top five, like he's a really, really good running back. Um, and maybe just hasn't gotten the opportunities to show that as much. Yeah. Uh, but when he has been able to, he's, he's shown that he's very, very talented. And, and I'm but, with you. Uh, and I think what is standing out to me is that if someone is listening to this podcast out of Chicago, outside of Chicago, they don't know the name of a single person we just talked about. Maybe not nope. even Trubisky, other than the fact that he's, he's, because, he's on the news for the wrong reasons. Kind of. Yeah. Right. So, so, so we need to to have an identity, identity or some star power on offense feels necessary. All right, let's move into what we came here to talk about. So here's the deal. Uh, Illinois is doing its best seemingly to return to play. 
trying to get sports up and running again. The numbers in terms of COVID cases and bed availability and all these different metrics are adjusting so that we're getting at least a, uh, if not a green light, an optimistic yellow. And we're starting to plan for whatever might be next. These are all really good things. I'm excited about that. My fear, you and I have talked about this, and it is it is a conversation going on everywhere. And it doesn't just apply to Illinois. It applies to any state that is in a similar situation where they're returning after a long period of uh, remote learning and sedentariness. The fear is that the instinct among coaches will be, holy cow, we've got a, a season to play in the spring. We have to put the pedal down and make up for lost time. I've, lit- I've heard this conversation almost exactly. Uh, these kids have been sitting around. We got to get them moving. We got to get in shape fast. And what occurs to me, you and I are both very heavily into strength and conditioning. What occurs to me is get in shape fast. Coming out of the mouth of someone who may not be an expert in strength and conditioning, no judgment there. I want to be really clear. No, ju- Totally understandable. But that, that may be more difficult to do than people recognize. Your thoughts and, before I get into specifics. Yeah, I, I would say not only is it more difficult to do than people recognize, but I think what, what a lot of people, again, totally forgiven if they don't, because they don't have the background that we do in strength and conditioning, um, could end up doing more harm than good. Uh, could end up putting certain kids uh, or a whole swath of kids on the sideline as opposed to having them on the field and playing if you try and bring it back too quickly or you say, you know, we need to get in shape fast, whatever it may be. 100%, and, and which comes back to over and over and over again, does your behavior match your goal? My hope, and, and I'm really just fast forwarding to the end, this is like the, the real outcome that I want for coaches and anyone listening to this is identify what it is that we're trying to do. Are we trying to, what? I, I, I hope, get uh, student athletes back with their peers and create an enjoyable experience in athletics. I hope it's keep people safe, healthy, and high performing. If we can do those things, safe, healthy, high performing there. If we, if we can just name them, then we can start to confront our behaviors as they move toward that goal. Meaning if we, if we just run the heck out of our kids for these first two weeks, we're not going to, we will not be healthy, happy, high performing, any of the above. But what I tried to do was put something together that could serve as a template, sort of an anchor concept that people didn't have to necessarily be too strict to, but it could influence the way they thought through their programming. That could be running, that could be lifting, whatever we decide. We got this clearance and the window of opportunity from the clearance to the start of the season is almost exactly the right amount of time to align with the NSCA and CSCCA return to training guidelines, which is kind of a cool thing, pretty exciting. Because the, the goal, the hope is to get to full speed by season. And what I, the way that I thought, started thinking through it for people was this. I think a coach has to identify what their hoped for outcome would be uh, at the peak of their season. Meaning, if, when you want your guys or girls running fast and well and healthy and all these things, what would that look like? And, and the easiest way in my conversations has just been pick, pick an end of practice running session. What do you want that to look like? It, I think provides a very solid way of thinking through it, not an exact determination of what it has to look like. It's not saying what you need to do. There's no uh, exact prescription, uh, 
but again, it's an anchor concept so that we don't hit the gas, max out the nervous systems of our kids, et cetera, et cetera. So what are your thoughts there? I really like it. And part of the reason that I really like it is because when you're adhering to those guidelines, and this is something that I actually ran into myself when I was you know, back in, I think it was the summer when these guidelines were first introduced was there's kind of this overwhelming feeling of like, if you're trying to adhere to the guidelines and do things safely, it's like 50, 30, 20, 10, you know, maybe you don't have the exact numbers of the last thing that you did. And you start to kind of worry about like, am I going to do too much? Am I going to push people too hard? Am I going to, you know, run these kids into the ground? And so the reason that I think that that is a like effective tool to use is because it kind of gives more of a guideline and it gives a lot more wiggle room, which I think is going to be really helpful for people right now. And ultimately what it does, Alex, is it makes it usable. And that is so, that is so much of the Good Athlete Project mantra. It's bridging the gap between research and practice. We know what is supposed to be happening, right? Or at least what is recommended by the NSCA and CSCCA guidelines. We also know that in terms of usability, unless you're at a very high caliber, probably division one program with a set of interns to help uh, keep track of all these GPS reports, et cetera, that, that it's not always usable. So we wanted to give this tool to people so that they could uh, think through it in a way that wasn't overwhelming at all. It, it reminds me a lot of a concept that we've talked about before on here, which is the anchor and tether method, right? Which is like, like how much wiggle room essentially you have within the concept. Um, and I think it's providing a solid anchor for people to use and to base their decisions off of in a way that's still adhering to what, you know, is ultimately the end goal of this, which is get kids prepared for sport while keeping them safe and not doing anything that is going to put their season in jeopardy more than, you know, the current global situation already has. That's a hundred percent. And that's really, I'm trying to think now, like what else do we want to get out of this podcast as we share with people? I think that's really the biggest thing. It's like, it, you know, the, the prevailing concept is let's be intentional. Let's be thoughtful. Let's be purpose driven. Let's align our behaviors to our goal. And if our goal, you know, meaning we should take a breath, take a moment to be explicit about what our goals are right now. If we're just sort of caught in this, uh, conceptual spring of, of optimism, like, holy cow, we're back. We can do, you know, if we get caught in the whirlwind of excitement, then we do, we definitely do run a risk of doing something that we never would have intended or designed for, right? It's something that would come from really well-intended place, but we're just, we just know too darn much to do that now. And I actually, I'll just sort of reminisce for a second. I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, I think back to my career, uh, and I'm not going to say where it was or, or, or anything like that, but there were, there was a stretch of my career where I would go into Friday night games and I wouldn't, especially early in the season, I would not have my legs under me. Like, you know, and, and I think back and I'm like, well, well, part of it was the development of toughness. That's fine. I do think that we were tougher than a lot of the teams that we played. I, I, I mean, that. I, I didn't feel overwhelmed on fourth and one we lined up on fourth and one, I felt confident that we were going to get it. But from a strength and conditioning perspective, I know that I was not as ready to go get it because of the way that we trained. You know, we didn't have, we, you know, at that time, we didn't have thoughtful in-season strength training. We didn't have thoughtful periodized running. We ran the heck out of people. You know, I remember running 16 gassers. I don't know if you know what that is, but I, so 
I was never massive, but I played on the line primarily and I was 220, 230 pounds, not a small person running a gasser, which is 110 yards as hard as I could. And if I didn't do it as hard as I could, I'm getting chewed out. You know what I mean? I'm like trying to beat the guys next to me. We got tougher and we were broken down. You know, you know, we were never healthy enough to make long runs in the playoffs and stuff like that. Cause we, anyway, I, again, I, I don't want to use this as a time to, poke holes but but here's what i will say it definitely not poking holes what i do recognize is that there during that stretch of time maybe the science wasn't there or maybe we didn't have access to it so it was all good intentions and we were a good football team we have the science now we have better understanding now it's our choice to use it or not and if we want healthy productive seasons obviously i really hope we do you know you kind of hit on something which was uh i think the experience of a lot of people, especially a lot of people that are coaching now that are around your age and my age, which is that, you know, the access to the science and the access to the information. And for a lot of people, especially at the high school level, maybe that hasn't changed so much um, in terms of having somebody in the building, for example, that understands strength and conditioning or a full-time coach. But one of the beautiful things uh, is that about this industry specifically is I know there's a lot of people out there that are willing to take the time to talk and help you understand it. And I think like, you know, social media for all the drawbacks of it, uh, which are, you know, have been well-documented, whether in documentaries or conversations, like one of the great things is I, I guarantee you, I mean, I know for a fact that anybody could reach out to you or me and we'd be happy to talk with them and we'd be happy to help them kind of figure this out uh, and go about it in a safe way. That's also going to put them in a position to be successful. But I, I know there's also other coaches out there on social media that like, we love talking about this stuff and other people do too. And they'd be happy to sit down and kind of talk with you about like, what's a safe approach to this. Like, even if you're, you're starting from, you know, like a very low knowledge base of strength and conditioning and of physical preparation, like there are people out there who will not only talk to you about it, but help you kind of like, build your own program and build your own model for success wherever you are. Yeah. The access to support and resources is like never ending really. So the, the, again, it comes back to intentionality. It's what do you, it's what do you want to do? Okay. Then now, now freaking do it, you know, and and even your explanation there just made me think of this because it's like, yeah, not knowing is no, is not, it's just, isn't an excuse in 2021. I think the same thing about myself. I'm going to go on a little bit of rant here, but like, I think the same thing about myself when it comes to technology. I'm like, I'm not excellent at technology, but pretty much every question I would have about it is Googleable. I can look it up on, on YouTube and get a tutorial, you know what I like? So if, if you want to get better at it, you can resources are out there. So just to put a pin in it, I'll probably bring us to a close here. Now it's, awesome that we get to have access to, to kids again this is going to be fantastic i'm genuinely looking forward to being in team settings and, and doing this work again fantastic a real fear especially in these first two weeks that's when probably people are most susceptible to injury real fear of putting the pedal down and maxing kids out and interrupting our desire to have healthy productive seasons those are my two real things and then we that brings us to point three which is If you agree that a healthy, productive season is what you're after, then please, coaches, athletes, whoever's out there, just connect with us, connect with whatever, you know, here's the simple, I'll make it super easy. Just Google it. 
The NSCA has amazing support. They do amazing work. Some of the lead scientists in, in this area are out there doing this work. Like, just go find it. Decide that it's important enough. Do a little bit of research on or put a phone call in or an email and get it done. Because the kids experience, man, they, I, I just think spring season got cut off. They've been waiting so freaking long to play. Don't wreck it in the first two weeks trying to be hard. Couldn't agree more with everything you said. I like it. Um, all right. Well, Alex, anything, uh, what, what's your, what's your social media these days? Are you going mostly at St. Viator Instagram? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, at St. Viator strength on Twitter at S V H S strength on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm at St. Viator strength, or you can reach out at coach Nadalna on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, while I don't post very much and that may make think, people think I don't check it, I do check it. So I yeah. will respond to messages and things like that. So feel free to drop me a line at any of those. Love it. And I'm Jim at Good Athlete Project. I, we're at Good Athlete Project on Instagram and at Coach, the number four kindness, Coach for Kindness on Twitter. So reach out and we look forward to continuing this conversation. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You restaurant group they do holiday cards they do wedding cards they help you they help you not only celebrate special occasions but make them that much more special and like i said if you are a small business owner or a large business owner they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods you just can't find that combo honestly anywhere else find them online at mightyprint.com that's m-i-t-e print p-r-i-n-t dot com and on instagram same thing at mighty print m-i-t-e print and tell them the good athlete project sent you